Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Hi, my name is Kyle Claridge, and I'm Vice Chair for Clinical Practice in Cardiology, Consultant in Cardiology in Rochester, Minnesota at the Mayo Clinic. And we are here today for one of our sessions, Interview with the Experts. And I'm joined by two of my colleagues, Dr. Juan Crescinello, Professor of Surgery and Chair of the Department of Cardiovascular Surgery, and Malcolm Bell, Vice Chair of Cardiology and Professor of Medicine. And we are going to take on the topic today of left main coronary artery disease, selecting the best therapy for your patient. And we're going to start out because of the new trial, of the relatively new trial, the XL trial that has raised our awareness and recent guidelines that were published. And maybe I'll just start out by asking Juan, what was the XL trial? Can you give us a little summary of what kind of patients they studied and what the major outcomes were? Sure. Thank you, Kyle. So the XL trial was a prospective, a multicenter randomized trial that enrolled uh, around 1,900 patients with left main coronary artery disease. And those patients were randomized either to PCI or coronary artery bypass surgery. The primary outcome was a combined endpoint of death, a stroke, or myocardial infarction. The trial followed patients to up to five years. And at five years, the primary outcome, death, a stroke or, or myocardial infarction was not different between coronary artery bypass surgery or percutaneous coronary intervention. Great, thank you. Do you think that the population of patients within the XL trial was representative of what most of us see in day-to-day practice? Well, the population was, as any clinical trial was strictly defined, the, the severity of the coronary artery disease was what we call, or the complexity of the coronary artery disease was low or intermediate, and that was evaluated by uh, the syntax score, which was overall low, and that tells you that the, the severity and complexity of coronary artery disease was low or, or, or intermediate. And in addition to that, there was a, a, a slow proportion of diabetic patients, a low proportion of diabetic patients, around 30%, who are the patients who in general had more extensive coronary artery disease and more complex coronary artery disease. And we know that those patients are the ones that benefit the most from surgical revascularization. In addition, there was a, a the majority of the patients were male, and there was a low proportion of uh, female patients in the trial. Do you think there was any differences between the cabbage patients and the PCI patients or percutaneous intervention patients? Well, there were some baselines difference. One of the differences that can be impactful in terms of the outcomes was the difference in the compliance of medications in the, in the follow-up period, where the, the PCI patients were, um, there was a higher proportion of patients who were taking antiplatelets, uh, dual antiplatelet agents, agents than uh, compared to the, to the coronary artery bypass surgery patients. And what was the, or was there a time dependence on the outcomes? If you look at the overall result of the trial, 
the composite endpoint of death, stroke, or, or MI, there was a change, a, initial benefit for PCI. And about two and a half to three years, there was a change in the in the outcomes where you, you could still see an increased rate of death, stroke, or MI on the PCI patients compared to the cabbages. So after the first two and a half years, the initial advantage of a PCI was lost. And that was mostly related to the increased rate of a myocardial infarction and the increased rate of a death after that two and a half years. That's really interesting. So there was an initial interest or initial benefit to the PCI group, and then the curves crossed right in the middle, about two and a half years of the five years. And then there was the later t- time frame. there was a benefit for the cabbage patients based on uh, myocardial infarction and death as opposed to stroke. So that's very interesting, not the composite endpoint then. What does the result then tell us about our clinical practice? How does it impact? And maybe I'll ask both of you to comment on uh, what your, has this changed your practice at all, the Excel trial? How do we take this into account when we're thinking about an individual patient in the office? Malcolm, maybe I'll let you go first. Thanks, Kyle. You know, I think that it's just worth remembering that, you know, when you asked about, you know, the type of patients in this study, the first thing I think we need to be aware of is, is that about 15% or so were actually ACS patients. They'd had an MI in the last uh, you know, week or so. So that's a very uh, small population, but it's a, it's a population we see a lot, obviously, in the hospital practice. About a 60% had stable ischemic heart disease. So this is really the group of patients that you're talking about that uh, you're discussing the, uh, the findings of their angiogram uh, in the uh, in the office. But I think that um, probably hasn't changed our practice too much for you because obviously we've been doing bypass surgery on these patients for a long time, but we certainly here at Mayo and in other places have been doing PCI for left main disease for, for many years. And, and remember the, the original Excel the trial publication was back in 2016. So, uh, and that's really, I think, sort of shaped how we've approached uh, these patients along with a couple of other large left main uh, trials. But I think that uh, you know it's important to remember that many patients were excluded from from that trial, and so like any randomized uh, trial, you know it's a selected uh, population. So I think the important thing though is, and this is something that hasn't changed in our practice, uh, except for in emergencies, we, we do not do ad hoc PCI in left main disease in, in stable patients. I think it's important to take them off the table and and, and have that discussion uh, with them. And then it's just a matter of uh, patient selection, and we, we can go into more detail in, in, uh, in terms of that. But as I said, I, I think it hasn't really changed that practice here too much. We've got two very effective and safe procedures. But as uh, Dr. Crestinello pointed out, it, it's the long-term outcome, which is really important. And we did see those curves start to diverge. Uh, they may diverge even further uh, in 10 years' time, you know, with a 10-year follow-up. This was a non-inferiority trial, and and it still was not inferior at five years, but you could see that reversal and separation of those curves. Thank you, Malcolm. Uh, Juan, would you have anything to add to that? Has it changed the way you practice clinically? Not really. I mean, I, I agree with uh, Dr. Bell. Uh, here at Mayo, we had collaborative approach in terms of uh, decision-making. The heart team has discussion about the patients and, and uh, based on 
patient overall patient situation, we make a decision what the, the best treatment would be. And that involves considerations in terms of the complexity of the left main disease, the presence of additional coronary artery disease in, in other territories like the LAD territory, the circumflex and the right coronary artery, the overall cardiac function, the presence of other cardiac pathologies, and uh, the age of the patients, the life expectancy and other comorbidities and the ability to pull the patient successfully through surgery, uh, as well as the patient's preference, are all factors that we consider in that type of a decision. So then I'll, I'll pose this question to both of you too, is what are the patients that you would consider to be most benefited from coronary artery bypass, which left main patients would you have tendency to, to recommend coronary artery bypass grafting versus percutaneous coronary intervention? Well, maybe as I'm not wearing the surgical hat, I think it'd be reasonable for me to uh, uh, give an honest opinion there because as Dr. Kressner says, we, we do work in, in concert together and, and we're referring um, each other patients uh, and that's been a, a longstanding practice uh, here at Mayo. But I think, you know, when you see uh, a patient who's got an angiogram that clearly shows severe left main disease, I, I think the patients are best suited for surgery and the ones that you know, we would tend to sort of shy away from uh, doing PCI on would be those who have distal left main, you know, this is bifurcation, it's already more complex disease, but particularly if it's associated with multivessel disease, particularly complex uh, coronary artery disease, also, if we can't completely revascularize the patient, I mean, that's clearly an indication for, for surgery. And as Dr. Cresniello said, you know, the, the diabetic patients, I mean, they, these are the patients that we probably should be doing bypass surgery uh, on. I also think that all things being equal, probably the younger patients, we, we probably really have to perhaps have a preference for recommending bypass surgery over stenting. And one thing which we haven't discussed is, you know, the mortality difference. And, and although that was not statistically significant, um, significantly different in the five-year follow-up, uh, it did cause some controversy. It was about a 3% absolute difference. And we don't know what's going to happen uh, in the future. And, and so that younger patient, uh, I, I think they really need to be appraised of, you know, the possible uh, you know, benefit in terms of needing further procedures, uh, and particularly that there might be a uh, survival difference. The older patient though, um, and these are very often the patients who come along with lots of comorbidities. Uh, very often the surgeons are uh, maybe a little hesitant about you know, offering you know, open heart surgery. And if they have suitable anatomy and we can you know, offer um, complete or near complete revascularization, I think those are the ones that are better for uh, PCI. Uh, the easy ones, of course, are the ones that have osteo and shaft uh, you know, disease. But again, I think this comes down to a shared decision-making with the patient. Dr. Krasnero also mentioned about patient preference. And, and sometimes you have a patient that you really think probably is going to benefit from surgery, but, uh, and you can show them survival curves and all the data, but they're still reluctant to undergo open-heart surgery. It's a small number of patients but I think we have to make sure we accommodate uh, their you know, expectations and, and what they would like to have in terms of revascularization. Dr. Cresnell, did, did I miss out anything there? I mean, did, does that resonate with you? Absolutely. I think that uh, I agree with those um, statements. And the only thing that I will add 
terms of the of the young patients and and also on the diabetic patients, the long term benefits of by, bypass surgery is enhanced by the use of arterial revascularization. So they adding a second a mammary artery in addition to the lima to the LAD that will have a additional advantage in terms of long-term survival. One of the things that we, we learned from the Excel trial, and I think it's important to point out the mortality benefit of surgery or the survival benefit of surgery are, are, are not seen until the two and a half years or so. That's the statistical, when the curves starts to cross and, and diverge. And that provides an important piece of information. If we have a patient who, for whatever reason, either because of their age or because of the comorbidities, their life expectancy is going to be limited uh, less than two and a half years, the, the possibility of realizing the benefit from a coronary artery bypass surgery are going to be very limited. And, and those patients, PCI will be beneficial for them rather than surgery. So if I can summarize, and please feel free to correct me if, if I say anything out of line here. I'm a non-invasive, non-surgical colleague here, but all left main patients are not the same. That's what I'm hearing. And that since they're not the same, we would probably have a tendency to lean towards coronary artery bypass grafting in, in younger patients with a longer survival in patients with complex coronary artery disease and maybe those that are have less comorbidities, but also maybe lean towards it in diabetes, even though that might be a little counterintuitive, but we've learned that from many years ago. And then the PCI patients, maybe uh, we would tend towards the percutaneous interventions and those patients that have less lesion complexity. So, you know, the syntax score of less than 33 and increased comorbid problems and a shorter lifespan. In the, at the end of the day, uh, the heart team and the discussion between uh, the patient, the surgeon and the cardiologist uh, interventionalists are very important. And we have to take into consideration the patient's expectations and wishes. And one last thing I think was important to point out is that you, you mentioned the option for arterial grafts, so left internal mammary, right internal mammary, maybe even both in some of these patients. And so that's a consideration to add to the list, even though it wasn't directly uh, necessarily covered in their earlier discussion. So well, it's been great to have this conversation and I hope it helps uh, our, our listeners to better understand how we think about these uh, patients with uh, what we consider to be a very serious illness that's left main coronary artery disease. Thank you for your attention. Until next time, have a great day. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.